Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. So go with me to Philippians. I think it's three. So I was praying about some things. So I was asking the Lord about boasting. And just yesterday, I didn't even know how he started bringing it up, but I've been thinking about it anyway. And, and it came to my mind that Paul used to boast about all he had done and all he was and all he could do. And God had to bring him back to this place of knowing without Christ, he's nothing. So I want you guys to get this because everything's based on superior and inferior in the demonic realm. So you have the superior people trying to lord it over the inferior people. Then you have the inferior people rising up whichever way they can to try to lord it over or to become part of. This is how Satan works. He's going to either make you feel inferior or make you feel superior. It doesn't matter which way he does it. Both of them are demonic. And every single struggle and power struggle and following Antichrist and everything else comes from that reality that Satan is going to make some people feel superior and some people feel inferior. And the truth is, and you can, there's so much scripture for this, but if, and we have a lot of this teaching, I've been teaching this for years, but your gift package, whatever God put in you, the intellect, and everybody can improve on any of these, okay? Just like the whole, remember the whole teaching about the talent? And there's those with five, you know, one talent, five talents. Basically, it's pretty much saying, it's not how much you have to start with. It's not how much you have to start with. It's what you do with it for God's glory. God's not expecting you to do, he's not expecting me to run a business like some person who's been given a 10 um, talent, one is call it, you know, uh, marketing revelation. He doesn't compare us with one another. He just looks at what he's given us for his glory. There's been some really horrific things out through the elitists these days. And one was saying, you know, and, and I heard this myself on video. This isn't, you know, somebody making it up. But basically they're saying, well, you know, the God who created everything, he could only make organic stuff. He, could, he can't make anything beyond that. Oh, what a joke. It's like, hey, mister, without his organic stuff, you can't do anything. And you are part of his organic stuff. But they're trying, they're trying to say, okay, everybody's going to know there's a God. These people know there's a God. But they're actually building, the whole spirit of Babylon is we're going to be smarter than God and we're going to do greater than God. It's a counterfeit if we're going to do the greater works. But here's the thing. God's not asking you to be more than who, who you are. So he knows if you were not educated. He knows if you were beat, beaten down as a kid. He knows what society you live in. He knows all that, right? He knows all that. He's not like, 
He knows if you were, you know, given everything, the best schools and all that kind of stuff, and you already had a really high IQ, and he knows all that. Does everybody get God knows all that? He's not even looking at that to see uh, anything about judging you. He's saying, now what are you going to do with what I gave you? Even where the enemy has stolen from you, even where the enemy has put you down, even where the enemy has tried to destroy you. Don't you get it? God looks at that like you're going to have the greatest testimony if you do something with what I gave you. He actually says those who've been forgiven much love much. God's like, you know what? If you've had to be forgiven because you were unloved because you you didn't know who your parents were because you went through this and you went through that and you did all these things guess what there's a spiritual law that says if you get to the place of repentance and forgiveness you're gonna love me more than somebody who's had everything given to them easy god has everything so fair and just it's amazing satan lies about it but god has everything so fair now, here's the key when, when, when Paul's talking. He says, um, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you truly is not tiresome to me, but safe for you. And I had to repent because I got to be honest, sometimes it's tiresome to me to have to tell the same people the same stuff over and over. And so I repented. I said, Lord, that's pride. That's pride that why do I have to tell them this again? Why do I have to tell them again? Why don't you bring in some new people to hear it? Why don't you do this? Okay, thank you for the people who watch and the people in other nations. And I had to repent. That was pride. Pride is when you start thinking too highly of yourself, folks. Pride is when, and here's Paul's attitude is, look, it's okay. Maybe you think, I've heard this. I've heard that. I know teenagers are good at that. I've heard this. I've heard this. Well, God says you hear it again because he wants to protect you. So parents, it's okay to say it again and again and again and again because God had his apostles saying, I just want to protect you. And he's even saying, he says, to write or to speak or to preach the same things to you is not tiresome to me. So I had to repent for that. It didn't say it's not tiresome for you to hear it if you get it. But compassion says some people aren't getting it. Some people really need to hear this. The next generation needs to hear this. I need to hear this again. He said, but it's to protect you. He says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evil workers. Look out for the concision party. We're not going to talk about all that. But it actually means true apostles warn that there are some evil people out there. They're not walking around thinking, tell everybody the good news. Just go out on the streets and God will take care of you. He said, watch out. We've had people um, go out on street ministry before and almost get in trouble. I can tell you those stories. I almost got really in trouble one time going to feed um, like a homeless community up in Toana. And some man came out and um, he was out to get me in not a good way. And... Um, I was probably in my early, late 30s probably. And, and he was following me around and he was drunk and um, it was very dangerous. And the person I was with, who I should have never gone with because I was um, provoked into going like, why are you afraid to go? Because my husband said, don't go if 
if some men in the ministry aren't going also. So we get to the church that we went to at the time and none of the men showed up for this. And so the one lady who obviously really had some really wrong stuff going on in her head and she's all ruffled. She's like, well, I'm not afraid. And I thought you're the one who preaches and everything. You probably aren't afraid. How stupid was I to fall for that? So I'm like, well, I'm not afraid. I should said, but my husband told me, you know, Cindy, I'd rather you not go if the men aren't going. But it was one of those things. It was one of those tests, right? I failed it. Okay, I got an F. So I'm sitting out there and this man who's drunk with a knife and stuff is like sticking his drunk old terrible breath right in my face in the car and all this stuff. And nobody's touching this other woman. And um, she was pretty... Um, She's pretty tough, let's just say that. I'll say it politely. She might have had some other issues. But I fell for it. And so finally, partway through, this person kept everywhere, kept falling, coming out, making advances, all this stuff. And, you know, I didn't feel any angels helping or anything. So I repented. I said, God, please forgive me. My husband tried to protect me. I didn't listen. And I was provoked into coming. I'd never done this before. And I said, so forgive me. I said, Lord, would you please help me? Would you please protect me? Would you send somebody to help? All of a sudden, this, man, this younger man comes out, and he's like, hey, leave her alone. She's just here doing good. She's just here giving out food to people who don't have food. Just leave her alone. And they got into a fight with knives right there. And I was praying, God, please don't let either one of them die because I disobeyed you because of pride. And thank God nobody got hurt. But the older guy walked away and left, and we finished. And that person never even came back to the church. I learned my lesson for the most part. Then the Lord told me not to go on a boat with Carrie one time, and we almost got killed in a lightning storm. We got hit by lightning. But anyhow... These are what the YouTube channel <laughs> 15 minutes are going to be. It's like, why do you go through so much? Because I actually think I'm being prepared to be an apostolic. I really do. Oh, I know it. And so they have lots of stories. Why? Because they have to learn firsthand the things of God and who he is and how powerful he is. They have to be humbled. They have to learn the ways of God because we're about to see the church go back to true biblical apostolic church i guarantee you they don't have you know if there's going to be smoke it's not going to be from some lights flashing and smoke stuff going out it's going to be the presence of god so anyway how did i get to that anyhow so it'll be safe for you i want you to learn to repent and mean it i want you to start seeing where pride is operating because I do believe we can go out on the streets and as we're led of Holy Spirit. That's why I don't like the kind of ministry that just prays for everybody go do what they do. No, if you're not called to do what they do, don't go do it. You need a, you, you need a reverent fear of the Lord. You need to re also recognize the devil's real. I really don't encourage you going out to really scary places until you've at least cast out a real demon and see what it's about. Because when you get something growling at you, speaking through somebody that wants to kill you and actually tries, 
Has that happened to you? Oh, yes, that will be one of the stories or two of the stories or three of the stories or four of the stories. And yet we have people out there with completely demonized people, all cute and sweet. We need to know who we are in Christ. Amen. We need to know. We need to know if that devil comes after me, it's coming out. And have the confidence that God sent us and the confidence that he's going to do it and, and, be, and have wisdom. How many know all this medicating people with demons is not the answer? How many know, I heard today when the were said, and there's all this mental, Ill, or mental issues and illness with ministers. Well, it needs to be cast out. I'm not going to go the, the path of psychiatry and, and all this kind of thing, but, but I'm, not, I'm not throwing those aside. Thank God for some of that stuff to help people in the world. And if the church needs it because you, you don't have good teaching and faith and it built up your, your faith and your most, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that what they wanted to do to help my son, which thank God they had something, but that there's something more powerful. So, so do what you have to do, but never think that's the answer. The answer isn't until it becomes the answer that's in God's word. That doesn't mean you don't go to the doctor when you don't have the faith yet not to go to the doctor, or he's humbling you, making you go to the doctor. That's another whole story. He made me go to a chiropractor once. I won't tell. We don't have time. But anyway, you'll have to come Friday nights. I'll start telling all the stories. They're all going to be in books. All right, so he says it's safe for you, and he tells you who to look out for. He didn't say, go out there. You can cast the, the demon out of those we call dogs, and you can deal with those evil workers. And he says, he says, no, be careful of these people. So we are in a season in our country to be careful of people. Okay, that's where we're at. People who just invite people, even, even I won't get one of the, most powerful woman of God, if I said her name, you knew who I was talking to. Her and her husband invited uh, somebody into their house right off the street, some, some real um, messed up demonized person, and raped their daughter. And then they had to go through all this kind of stuff. And they got the victory and they overcame, but they could have prevented their daughter from being raped. See, pride will cause us to think we're walking somewhere we're not. Am I telling you, I'm not telling you to be afraid. I'm telling you to get faith. Hear God. Do what he shows you. And when you hear some of the stories, the, the things we've done led by God, you know, with um, where we were in real danger. See, there's a difference when I'm in real danger because God puts me in real danger. And he's smiling because he's going to take care of me. Versus pride putting me in real danger. And then I have to really humble myself and pray for, that God helps. Gosh, I just gave myself another book to write. All right. God gave me one. All right. Then he goes on. We are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who, don't, who do not trust in the flesh. Now, this is really big because when we boast, like I've been, you know, saying things about, I, I don't know, you know, John, I have three houses, but if you added everything up that we owe, we owe less than most people who have one house. We probably pay less than somebody rent an apartment for all three of our houses. I can't boast about that because, number one, I didn't try to do that. 
Number two, my son said yesterday, you have the best timing on buying houses. No, I am led by Holy Spirit when I don't even know it. And so we're ahead of, and so I'm not trying to study the markets. And this is what the Lord's telling me this. He's like, I'm getting ready to teach you some things about YouTube and teach you, but don't rely on the flesh. See, boasting is when you think it's because of your gift package and therefore you have it. And let me say, you can have a gift package and get really rich. Do you understand what I mean by gift? You can have the intellect, you can have the gifting, you can have the education, and you can get super, super rich, powerfully rich because you have that gift package. Can I say this? You can get prophesied over, prayed for, and everything else. If you don't have the gift package to be rich, you're not going to be rich. And you're just giving money over and over and over for people to tell you you're going to be rich. You will have shelter. You will have food. You will have everything you need. And you have to know how to be satisfied with that. If you can't be satisfied with that, then... You don't even get this whole thing with God. Right? So the prosperity message that is all about making you rich is, is not true. The truth is God will take care of me. That's why I can literally go preach in the Philippines or India or Uganda and not promise them they're all going to be rich, but promise them that God will help them feed their kids, that God will take care of their schooling, that they'll have clothes, but they'll have more important things. They'll have time with their families. So I'm not asking God to rebuild the American dream because if y'all don't get it, it's crashing right now. Okay, the American dream is crashing right now. Maybe it hasn't come to you yet because you've probably been giving and tithing and hanging out with God. But here's the deal. God's going to put back his dream for this nation, his dream for your calling, his dream for what he has for your life. And he can do more than you could ask or think. He says, if you give up, he says, if you give up houses, if you give up, if you give up houses to follow me, I'll give you back houses even in this lifetime. See, if I had a gift package to do real estate, and I believe I do. I believe I really have a gift package to do real estate. I believe I have a gift package to do marketing and things like that. So everything I laid down to do this for no money, still I don't take hardly any money. You can't outdo him. He's like, okay, you lay that down. You and John would have a beach house. I'm giving you a beach house. You would have some real estate investments. I'm going to give you a real estate investment. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? He's like, he's not going to take from you what you would have got in the world because you lay down everything he's put in you. But you have, but you have, to, be, you have to be at a place where you don't care about those things. And they don't become idols. And you get real about your gift package. It's okay. If your gift package doesn't include all that, there's the grace for what he has for you. You're going to have shelter. You're going to have clothes. You don't have to go sell yourself in, in, in prostitution. You don't have to go sell drugs. You don't have to try to find a man who has a gift package to give you the life of your dreams. And find him again and try to find another one again and try to find another one again. Does everybody get what I'm saying? Just be okay with being you. 
and shine. Be okay with what he wants you to have, with what he's going to do in your life. I seriously never go to the Philippines and feel sorry for the people. I go and I see these families who love each other. I see these families who all come to church. I see churches filled with teenagers and kids. I see God providing their food. I see houses that would not even begin to compare to ours, but it's shelter, and, and, they, and they're, they're fine, and they're protected. But they got kids who love God. They got worship teams. They got the churches filled every time the doors are open. They got kids who respect their moms and their dads, and they love the word of God. Which would you really want? Now, we got to get to this place. We don't trust in the flesh. So I'm praying as I'm going into this week and this next month of really getting to the next place in uh, taking this ministry where God wants it to go. The last time the Lord had me do this, he had me read a couple of books, and I bought this building within a few months for a half a million dollars, needed 300, about $300,000 in repairs, and we had no money, and we had about 20 people, and then the city would not let us have meetings here. We actually went for one whole summer without a single meeting that was a fish that was real, and still we paid all the bills. Then God saw a church split coming because of some stuff I was going to stand up for and I'm glad I stood up for it and I'm not against anybody and thank God I hope everybody's being blessed and they're where they need to be. But you take three or four families who all leave at once, who all have real jobs, who all really tithe, who really make decent money and you talking about a $10,000 drop in a month. Well, guess what? God worked it out where I had paid off the mortgage, which was 10000 a month and I paid it off about two months before this happened. And all of a sudden, guess what? We still kept doing what we were doing. People leaving couldn't manipulate me or control me. Not that they were trying to, but it was an attack of the enemy. I'm not a hireling, so I will never, ever worry about not having finances to do what he's called me to do. I will never worry about a church split because I'm not looking for the wolf. I'm just making sure I'm not a hireling. You need to make sure you're not a hireling. Wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, if you're on staff here, you need to make sure you're not a hireling. What's a hireling? I only do this for the money, and if it wasn't for the money, I wouldn't do it. Well, anyone who only does something for the money, and if it wasn't for the money, you wouldn't do it. You are a hireling, and a wolf can come and destroy and divide your business, divide your family, divide your home. So I encourage you to do something where you know you're there, put by God, where you can shine. Can I get an amen? Anyway, that's another whole teaching that's really good. All right. Even though I might, here he goes. Okay. Paul is a 10 talent person. Now, I know the word talent had to do with money, but you know what I'm talking But it's kind of cool how it translates to that word. Paul had the capability of being wealthy. Can I tell you this? Unless somebody manipulated and controlled things, but most of the people you see who have big ministries and make a lot of money, they could have done that in the world. Some of them were already doing it in the world. They didn't just do it because they're, they're doing the gospel now. They actually had to lay it down 
for God to give it back for his glory. So don't touch them. That's between them and God. If they want to take a salary, if they don't want to, that's all between them and God. They're going to stand before God and he's going to deal with them. They have to choose between them and God what kind of lifestyle they want. Just like you do. So here's, now remember Paul, Paul's somebody who really did have it all together, not just thinking it, not just pretending it. Can I just get you to a place to be real about who you are, your gifts, your, your abilities, your education, every, everything. Just really get real about it. And, and don't be a victim, okay? Get rid of the victim thing. We're, we are in Christ, Okay, we're in Christ. So it doesn't matter if the society wants us to be a victim. It doesn't matter if all of a sudden now they want whatever group of people to be a victim, okay? I cannot be a victim because I'm an overcomer. You can't take me down because you're not the one who lifted me up. And I'm not depending on you. That's why as the church is shaking and everything under covering doctrine is going to really shake, you're going to see churches closed like you've never seen before. You're going to see pastors who can't handle it anymore. All this is already happening. Hasn't even affected us because we're not under that wrong doctrine. So we've already gotten out of that. He's already set us free from that. He's already made sure everybody, he's taking care of us. And people are going to start looking for a place to get real answers to real problems, right? All right. Even though I might have trust in the flesh, if any other thinks to trust in the flesh, I'm more. What's Paul saying? He's kind of saying, look, I got more stuff going for me than almost anybody. That's what he's saying. He talks about circumcision, the eighth day of the race of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, according to the law of Pharisee. And I'm not going to get into all that. You'd have to study all that. But that's like the biggest, fanciest, most important leader in Israel that you could have at the time. According, he goes, according to Zillman, I was persecuting the church. Like he was the big, he was the big guy on campus, all right? According to righteousness, I was, but he goes, I could live those laws. I mean, I was doing this stuff. But he goes, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost because of Christ. He's saying, you know what? I could have had the highest position as a Pharisee. I could have had the most honor and the most fancy stuff and the, the nicest places of anyone else in ministry at that time. Well, he's kind of bragging. Well, he kind of actually knows his gift package, doesn't he? See, it's not humility to act as if you don't have a gift package. That's kind of saying God didn't know what he was doing. He made me poor old me. So that's not, it's prideful. What's prideful is to take your gift package and think it's about you and what's given to you for you. It's also prideful. See, if I don't think I have a gift package or I'm not happy with my gift package, then I might want to be violent. Then I might want to be lawless. Then I might, then I would say, well, I didn't, God didn't take care of me anyway. Instead of realizing, no, you, maybe you have the one talent, but if you do something with it, he'd give you more. If you do something with it, he'd give you more. He always promises to take care of you. God looks at the whole planet different than we do, you guys. He's not looking over at this country and saying, oh, y'all don't have much. He's not trying to kill them all like some of the elitists. They're, they're no good. They don't have enough resources. They're just going to be a burden to our big vision. The big vision of the elitists is to control the people who can make the most money and not try to overpower them, which is, for the most part, upper middle class. For the most part, it's America. 
They don't want to wipe out all of America. Where are they going to get anybody working for them from homes, not leaving their homes? Let's just give them some food. Let's just keep them occupied on the internet. Let them have a fake life on social media. Let us control what they think, what they learn, and let them be our little workers. That's really what they're believing. And then we have access to everything. We can own all the waterfront. We can own all this and all that. We can eat this. <laughs> Let's get all them eating not even real food. And then this is going to help us to take control over these places that we're going to wipe out. Because they're not any use to us. I mean, they just, they don't have any education. They don't have much. Well, we can find some to, but let's just wipe those people out. That's why it's always the poor and the uneducated that suffer the most when things hit. It's purposeful because the devil has lied and said, you don't have any value. And we don't want to agree with that lie. That's why the church has got to quit looking like this social group goes to church here and this social group goes to church here and these go here. No, the church has got to begin to be what God sees when he sees his church. And then we have to learn to respect one another and to honor one another. He actually says those who are without honor because of their gift package, because of what the devil's done to them, because of whatever, we're supposed to put extra honor around them. God rebukes them like if the person comes in and he doesn't like he has much money, you make them sit back there. Well, here, I don't make y'all sit back there. Y'all just try to sit back there. Like, I'm not sitting up there. So he goes on, he says, the things that are gained to me, I want us to get this. So I have to get to this place. You know, whatever things from my education, from my marketing gift, from, from my teaching or preaching, whatever, whatever things from, from, from John and him and I being one in the eyes of God and, and what he can do as an engineer and all this stuff, all of that has to become as nothing. It, it has to, what, how can it come as nothing? Because if God hadn't given it to us and if we hadn't applied spiritual law when we didn't even understand it it would have come to nothing the lord was showing me he said everything i gave you your childhood tried to steal from you i was told girls don't go to college i was told, well girls just you just stay home and you know you have kids and you don't do this and i was told you know well i used to, and actually there's someone in my family who has almost the same gift package but did nothing with it and was jealous and then didn't want me to do anything with it. My family was shocked when I said I was going to college. My family was absolutely shocked. I paid for my college and I'm glad I paid for it. I don't expect you to pay for my college. I'm, I'm cool with loans so you can go to college, but you know what, if you go through college and you did what you need to do in college, then guess what? You should be able to get out of college and get a job. Then if you live the way you were living before you went to college until you pay off the loan, then in a few years, you're going to be fine. God says, if you don't have a gigantic gift package starting out, but you will tithe and you will be faithful and you will invest what you have, He's going to give you more. He actually goes as far as to say, and those who don't do anything, here's, here's God's word. 
if you have the wrong idea about God and you're a victim and everything's terrible, God says, take from him what he does have and give it to somebody who has more. That's Bible. That's Bible. Can I tell you when Jesus sets up his kingdom, it's how it's going to work? So we need to change our mindsets. We need to not let the devil tell us that we don't have a gift package. You look at people like, seriously, like Ben Carson, who had a one-talent gift package. His mom had a one-talent gift package. Couldn't even read, but decides, no, this is not the life we're going to have. Gives glory to God, does what needs to be done, this and that, to become not only the, one of the greatest surgeons in all history, but actually even in polit a politician who could really turn things around if anybody would let him. See, that's what you realize. You don't know what's going to happen if you apply. And can I say this? Even when the world looks crazy right now, let's go with God's principles. Let's go with God's spiritual laws. Let's see what he wants. Now's the time to be getting educated. You know what? You can get so educated free on YouTube. Truthfully, if you have to be taught by someone else, you're probably going to have a hard time getting to a 10-talent gift package. It's when you actually like to learn and you enjoy seeing God teach you things and show you things. The reason God's gave me this teaching is like, look, I don't want you learning all this and then not preaching. I don't want you learning all this and then be excited about more people coming and money coming. I want to put this back on a place of, hey, we're going we're gonna to give an increase. There's about to be an increase in this place, but I don't want it to be about the increase. I don't want this to be your flesh jumping up and having a good time and then I have to wham you to bring this back about what I'm doing. And that applies to everybody's life. But start doing something if you're not. He's about us doing stuff, people. Not using spirituality to do nothing. And let's face it, there's a lot of people who use hyper-spirituality and do nothing, and their families are like tired of paying their bills. They're tired of hearing their stuff. Nobody wants to hear. People are impressed when you actually recognize you have a gift package from God, and you still love God, and you give him the glory, and you do things his way, and he blesses you, right? All right. So he's talking about how good he is. But he gets to verse 3-7. But that what things are gained to me, I count loss. Because He goes, I would rather have a relationship with Jesus Christ than the highest position that my gift package can give me. See, God put the gift package in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not just talking about spiritual gifts. I'm really not talking about spiritual gifts. I'm talking about if you're good in business, he made you good in business. If you're good in math, he made you good in math. If you're good at speaking, he made you good at speaking. If you're good at cleaning, he made you good at cleaning. If you're good on the computer, he made you good on the computer. If you're good at a keyboard, do you know how much I would like to be good on the computer and good at keyboard? I am terrible. 
I don't care how many classes I take and how much I try. I got kicked out of piano lessons. Literally asked not to come back. Because I don't have any gift there. He did not put that in my gift package. He didn't. So start being realistic about what's in my gift package. And how do I take, if I consider it one, how do I get increased? If I consider it five, how do I get increased? If I consider it 10, how do I get increased? And the only way you get increased from God, okay, is to do it for him. To do it for him. It goes on. He says, I'd rather count all things to be lost, to have the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now that particular excellency of the knowledge is actually knowing about him. It's not, it's not as much about, the, there's a word for knowledge that's more of an intimate revelation. But this is about, you know what? I'm enjoying getting to know God. I'm enjoying getting to know his ways. I'm enjoying getting to know how real he is. I'm enjoying understanding his word. So here's Paul who has all this old covenant understanding, revelation, greater than anyone. He goes, you know what? I'm enjoying learning this stuff about God in the new covenant. I'm enjoying seeing how this works and what happens and dying to self and entering into a relationship with God. I'm just so excited about who he is and his purposes and how real this is and his kingdom. That's where you should be at. That's where you should be at. Otherwise, you're trying to live in the old covenant and have a bunch of hidden knowledge. And let me tell you, let go of thinking so highly of yourself. Well, I read this and I read I don't care what you've read or who you've read or how many times you've listened to something. Do you have a relationship that has begun with a real living Jesus Christ? Do you have revelation that's real? And then don't get excited about the spiritual gift package that comes. We all have that. But he uses it how he wants, when he wants. And if I start getting my identity there, that's even more prideful. You have to love yourself. You just have to love yourself. You just have to love yourself. See, if you don't love yourself, you'll give up if it gets hard. If you don't love yourself, you'll keep trying to prove something. You were born to find God. If you're born again, you're successful. You could be so successful in the way of the world and not find God and you're going to hell and it's going to be the same hot, burning, worms crawling on you, fiery, horrible hell as some poor person who goes to hell. The, the super rich, did everything right, kings and queens who don't find God will be in the same hell as the drug addict, the alcoholic, and the child molester. Although some of them probably are those too. Do you want a relationship with Jesus? Not do you want prosperity. Not do you want everybody to see your gift package. Do you want, and you need to get honest about this. Do you want that? I'll promise you this, you don't want to die before you have that. But you could really have a good time living if you get it now. He goes, I count all things to be lost because of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've suffered the loss of everything. I count them to be trash that I could gain Christ. So get rid of the prosperity teaching that doesn't include this. Get rid of the, this is going to be a fun ride teaching. The reality is, 
regardless of my gift package. This is about getting to know how real Jesus Christ is. See, I know he's so real. And I didn't know he was so real when I was just being blessed and blessed and blessed. I found out he was so real when the devil beat the tar out of me. Do I want the devil to beat the tar out of you? No. Can you get to know how real he is without that? Yes. But when we're so happy with our gift package and what we're doing and how we're doing it and who we are, just like Paul, then sometimes it's great mercy the way God, well, let me say, God is just, right? He's merciful. Even him letting Satan go around like a roaring tiger, I mean, lion, seeking whom he can devour is a spiritual law to help us to have a real relationship with Christ. It says to see who he can devour. It doesn't say he can devour everybody, but he can devour the prideful. He can devour those who, don't, who hang on to their gift package and think that's all this is. He can devour those who intellectually think they know God but don't have a relationship with God. How many know that's merciful that God would have an enemy down here who could cause us to fall to our knees and pray? Even when I was reading this last night and then I listened to it um, and my ears going to sleep, I, or middle of the night or something, but anyhow, I realize those people in the in the sphere of influence in our crazy world right now could still find god there is a lion going around trying to devour them so i'm praying that they will have an encounter that will knock them so far some some of the Bible says some have to be turned over to satan that they might get saved well, i believe we're looking at a lot of people who need to be turned over to satan so that they might get saved. That has to be your motive. Okay, get that. The bottom line is, well, turn them over to Satan, not because I can't stand them anymore. Even God's spiritual law that some have to be turned over to Satan is so they might get saved. It's a serious thing if God gets you to a place to turn someone over to Satan that you're praying for. Don't do it lightly. But if that's what you have to do so that they find Jesus Christ in their last breath, then that's what you have to do. How do you know? You better know that it's God because you don't want somebody turning you over to Satan because you decided to do it in your own strength. Does everybody understand how serious this stuff is? Does anybody understand how deep this stuff is? You know, raising the dead is an elementary teaching. How hilarious is that? Christ can come anytime. I believe that. I'll always believe that. I don't know how much of the bride's ready. I don't know how much it has to be before the lukewarm is spit out of his mouth and what position that's in. But I do know this. I think he's really going to have a bride without spot or blemish. I think there is so much more revelation and places to go in the things of God and the deep places of God that we've got to quit dealing with flesh, 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 flesh. And we've got to begin to believe he is who he says he is and that we can do all things through him because he strengthens us, all things. We have to get to this place. I count it all loss. So I'm just saying, I count it, I count it, I count it to be lost. It's like dung. It's nothing what I would have been had I not found Christ and given my life to him and served him. I don't want the public relations firm I used to think I wanted. I don't care about tons of money coming into my bank account. I don't care about people thinking, wow, look what she's done. I don't care if anybody ever knows my name in 
the Christian circles except for who God wants to know my name. I don't want to be an influence to anyone except who he wants me to be an influence to. I count it all as nothing. I count it all as nothing but to know Christ. And you have to get to that place, that serious place, that this whole journey is about knowing Jesus Christ. If it means a totally different life than I was thinking, then so be it. I know this is a totally different life than I was thinking. I'm not kidding. But it's a better life than I was thinking. There's nothing that compares. There's nothing that compares to God being able to help you help your children. There's nothing that compares to being able to hear God, submit to God, and watch him save your marriage. There's nothing that compares to a God who knows how to pay the bills when the whole economy is trying to say you can't pay the bills. There's nothing like a God who knows how to feed you no matter what, and you never have to have fear and worry. There's nothing like knowing God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like encountering him and enjoying him and um, delighting in him and him giving you the desires of your heart. There's nothing like it. There's no prayer that I could pray that if he doesn't answer, then it takes away from how much I'm still thankful that I gave my life to him. So he goes on. Is this helping anybody? You have to get to the place where all those things that you think so highly of yourself about or boast about, and it could be how bad you were, Okay. I mean, you got people who boast about how great they are and how good, and you got those who boast how bad they are. It doesn't matter. All you're boasting is foolishness. And you've got to, he calls it trash, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Now get this. I want to be found in him. That's very specific. I want to be found abiding inside of him. I want to not only have Christ in me. Look, Christ in me is the hope of glory. That's when I get born again. That's when his spirit comes in. But there's a place in him. There's a place of intimacy. There's a place of giving everything to him to where he surrounds your everything and he orders your every step and he makes everything so awesome. And you're not afraid of the enemy and you're not running to the world's ways of doing things. See, Paul's at this thing. I want to be found in him. Not having my own righteousness by the law. In other words, I'm not trying to do this by the law. I'm not trying to do this by what looks good and what seems good and what does the Bible say I should do. That's not how I'm trying to do this. That's how Paul did it before. But I want it to be by faith, by the faith of Christ, having my righteousness. This thing's wiggling around. Having my righteousness based on Christ, my relationship with Christ. See, if we really never went through anything that required faith, you would have no kind of walk with him. Faith is, he wants us to persevere. He's like, look, you got to get this, you guys. God is after this. He's after you knowing him. He's after becoming everything to you. He's He's after you being formed into his image and his likeness from glory to glory. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to bring you into everything he has for you. He's trying to protect you. And yes, you can put it off for a while and just pray you don't die in that time. Parents, pray your kids don't die. Pray your spouses don't die. Just really take authority. They can't die till they're right with you, God. But in that, you're going to come to a place of seeing how good it could have been had God been in charge. 
I mean, there's a generation now that has so much access to knowing God and walking with God and moving in the power and the authority of Christ and watching him put everything together for them. How good is that? So I want my righteousness, I want to be right where God is based on faith, my relationship with God and trust him, to know him. Now this no, I'm pretty sure, let me check this one out. This is the no. That's it, this is this, this is in it to really perceive him right, to understand him right, to know who he is, to really get to know him. And I love this part, to know him and the power of his resurrection. And that's what I'm working on in the book right now. What is the power of him raising from the dead? What is the power? Think of the power that took. See, Lazarus never went to hell. Does everybody get that? Lazarus died, but he didn't go to hell. Lazarus would have gone into Abraham's bosom, which was a holding place where it's, the Catholics call it purgatory or whatever they call it. But bottom line, it's a place, and you can find a little bit about in Scripture, but it was before Christ made a way for them to go to heaven, okay? So, so that's where Lazarus would have been. So when God called him out of there, he came back in. Jesus is the first one to ever raise out of hell. Even the ones he brought with him after that, I pretty much believe were probably the ones in Abraham's bosom. So there's something really powerful that Paul wants us to get to about a God who literally went to hell and totally beat the devil. Totally came out of there victorious. He says he wants to understand him by the fellowship of his sufferings. Having been confirmed to his death if somehow I may obtain to resurrection out of the dead. Paul is saying, look, I want to understand this God who is not afraid to die for us. You know, Paul was amazing. I, I have not gotten to this. Paul said, if I could die for my Jewish brothers, if I could die for them so they wouldn't have to go through what they're going through, so they wouldn't miss going with Christ. He said he would do that. I'm like, no, I'm glad Jesus did that. I really would not want to be eternally damned because to save somebody else. Jesus, Jesus wasn't eternally damned, thank God, because he didn't sin. But Paul at one point says, you know, um, he wished it were him. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm not there. I'm not even asking to be there. I'm just asking to have the authority and the power and the love and the the be able to pray and believe that the people I love will find Christ. And whatever God says to do for that, thank God he doesn't tell us to die for them. I mean, die. That, the dead they're talking about here is dead, go to hell, kind of dead. Jesus doesn't call dead that. He actually says you're sleeping. Believers, we don't die, we sleep. And actually we just go into heaven and then we get our, our glorified bodies. But before Jesus went to the cross, they actually went to sleep, which was what was Abraham's bosom is what it's called. Do you get that? And then one day our bodies are going to come up out of the ground. I think it'll be so cool if that just happens to happen when I'm at Lauren's grave. And that's the day that God calls us because they get to go first. And then I watch her come out. Now she's not in there. She's up in heaven with a spiritual body. Okay, do you get that? She doesn't have a glorified body. She's up in heaven with a spiritual body. That's all you need up there. That's all you need up there. But God's like, nope. And, and I used to wonder why. Well, because if you're going to come back on earth and, and hang out with human beings that'll still be here for a thousand years, you're going to need a glorified body. 
You don't want a human body and have to go back through all that, right? So they're all going to get to come out. How cool is this? And they're going to come out, and, and however their spirit is going to meet that, that physical body completely restored and go up, and we're going to follow right after them. I mean, if I see her, I am grabbing her ankles, and I'm going. And then we'll never, ever be separated again. What an awesome salvation. I'm going to tell you people, whatever you have to do, pray for your kids, believe for your kids. Don't just pray. Um, we use prayer like prayer. Talk to God, see what he tells you to do and do it. Repent of every part of it that you had a part of the being messed up. I mean, really repent. I mean, really see where your sexual sin opened the door for theirs to be worse. Really see where the divorces and the different situations and all the stuff of the world, especially if you were saying you love God at the same time, how screwed up it made everybody. Really pray where you see where the hypocrisy in the church or where I saw where my attitude issues with pastors and everything caused my kids not to want to have anything to do with pastors and everything. Really go back, go back, spend the time. It's not under the blood until you get it under the blood. This is what the church is missing. It's under the blood when I really see it, hate it, and repent of it. And that it takes us seeing what happens to the next generation before we can hate sin is sad. And that no one's telling us that we have to go and get it under the blood before anything we say or do really influences them. But you'd be amazed at what happens when you really get it under the blood. One day I'll teach you on a Sunday morning, I think, how to heal the brokenhearted places in your children that you were part of causing to be there without even having to be in the same room with them. Because it's time we all grow up and it's not all about us. All right. Not that I already, now here's humility. I haven't already received or already been perfected, but I'm going to press on. If I also may lay hold as I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not count myself to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things behind and stretching forward to the things before, I press on after a mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Then as many of you are perfect, that means mature, let us be of this mind. If you think differently, then in time God will reveal it to you. And it's time to get some God goals. What, what is truly, and that doesn't mean ministry, okay? It can mean ministry, but it means what, what are, what's the high mark that God wants me? What's the high mark that God wants me to have in my marriage? What's the high mark that God wants me to have with my children and future grandchildren? Some of you have grandchildren. What's the high mark that I'm supposed to have at here or for you guys where you work? or what was it? You're, He's supposed to be the goal in everything you do with your talents and your gifts, and then, and then do something, all right? Just don't be hearers of the word. Do something. And don't be hyper-spiritual. That has ruined the church. Our kids, most kids have walked away. Most people laugh at the church. The church is basically, for the most part, has really been unessential. Because the only thing that are essential are the things we can't do in our flesh that we can only do by the Spirit. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. 
then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there and there's a resource uh, library there. And also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. 